is Star Talk. I'm your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal physicist, and this is a special sports edition. We have with us, as my co-host, the dynamic duo from Playing With Science, Gary hey. O'Reilly. Hey. Chuck Nice. Hey, hey. The two co-hosts of that esteemed show. Thank you. And what, who did you bring into my office today? Well, it's quite simple, really. Today, <laughs> our guest joins us from Mount Olympus. Yep. He is a god. Some say that he refused the lead in the Fast and the Furious movie franchise because they were just too damn slow. And <laughs> when posing for his portrait in the National Portrait Gallery, all they got was a blur. Nice. <laughs> I see what you did there. Did you? Yeah, Thank you. Exactly. He's actually the only man in history to uh, win a Formula One championship, uh, an Indy championship, uh, NASCAR at Daytona championship, and uh, he is voted driver of the 20th century. Okay, so there you go, man. I, I don't think it gets much better than that. I don't think it does. Yeah. Uh, he is a national treasure, both here in the US and in Italy. He is the man, the living legend. He is... Mario Andretti. Andretti. Yeah, give him the applause. All right, yeah. yeah. Oh, sure. Wow, how do we live up to that? <laughs> you already have. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're done. We're, we're. <laughs> okay, thank you very much. You're welcome. All right, let's step back and explore some of your early life. Um, if I'm not mistaken, as an eight-year-old, you find yourself in a refugee camp in Italy? Unbelievable. Well, yes, indeed, uh, unbelievable to some degree because um, we were uh, refugees in our own country. Wow. Because uh, actually uh, the territory where I was born, which is uh, the peninsula of Istria mm -hmm. on the eastern side and the northern side of the Adriatic, mm -hmm. uh, was occupied by Yugoslavia after the war. Oh. You know, Italy uh, obviously lost the war. And um, so that became a communist occupied country under hardline communism and um and there was a choice for all the inhabitants of the area to uh, remain and succumb to communism or leave to maintain the uh, italian citizenship and leave everything behind everything that you own you just uh, you were allowed or given a, a lorry a truck <laughs> uh, uh, you know, to put uh, whatever belongings you could just transport with that, and then and leave, and then uh, so we and we were transporting to what they call a displacement camp in Udine, which is on the other side camp. of Trieste. That's all. How it nice! Is. Yeah. It wasn't a concentration camp. No, it was a displacement, displacement camp. camp. <laughs> mm -hmm. Which after there you were displaced <laughs> to another area in Italy, wherever a uh, city where they would absorb, uh, say, twelve hundred, fifteen hundred, because there were. Um, uh, I think it was estimated somewhere around close to 190,000 inhabitants of that area that wanted to leave, that left, actually. Yeah. It's a part of the and fallout of the Second World War that I don't think they teach us in our schoolroom. No. You know, well, no. Well, well, all the edge, the edge work no, of what's going on from the Soviet <laughs> Union. What did they get? What did you know, the winners and losers get? Right. Yeah. Yeah, the only thing you learn in American schools about World War II is uh, it ended with... USA, USA. <laughs> yeah, that's basically. Well, not only talk about teaching. Uh, actually, the government was not really uh, learning, uh, or you know, exactly telling anyone that uh, we are refugees. We're Italians. 
you know, from a land that was lost, they were actually ashamed of the fact that they lost oh. that territory. So we arrived in the city. Uh, uh, we spent uh, where I where we wound up was in Lucca in Tuscany, beautiful city, uh-huh. and um, and so basically we were like uh, there was somewhere like twelve hundred people in one building that uh, used to be an old monastery and all of that, and um, and again you know under basic fairly uh, primitive conditions, uh, but nevertheless you know we no one knew in the area what we were. Well, what are we gypsies? What are we what? You know, so it took a long time for people, you know, to realize, you know. What age what are you at this point? Had. Eight. Eight. Eight years yeah. old. Where did you know you had a passion for racing, for driving, for motorsport? About eight and a half. <laughs> <laughs> There's a story that you used to well, run around the that, kitchen was, with a frying pan well, acting as a steering wheel. Yeah, Is that yeah. true? Indeed, exactly, and uh, in fact, uh, I, have, I have a I have a twin brother, Aldo. Yes. All right. uh, yeah, and uh, he and I obviously had the same passion, and uh, and uh, one day, uh, one would be the driver, and the other would be the car. The car, the guy that was the car, was holding the lid, you know, on a knob, and the other guy was steering. So you're and you're backing up, so the way you're steering, you know, you're just actually. Learning how to drive, <laughs> right. right? You know, and uh, you hope you don't run into furniture, you know. But um, you know, they, there was something I don't know why. Still to this day, uh, what really drew me into that, you know, to motor racing and to be fascinated with something like that—that that, uh, was the furthest thing from the makeup of our family. Quite honestly, um, you find yourself in the USA in 1955. Your twin brother Aldo and you sneak out, you will be rebuild cars and go dirt racing. Yes. What did your mother and father think? That's the point. Uh, <laughs> uh, I, you know, we we obviously when we arrived to America, we found out there's a, a racetrack right in the town where I still live today. And what uh, town was that? In Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Nazareth, Pennsylvania. Yes. And um, and anyway, um, and so, two years after we arrived, we started building a car that we planned to race there by the time we were 21. So, we had plenty of time, but the car was finished when we were 19, two years later. And so, we're ready to race, but there's no way we could ask or even talk about it to my dad because uh, my dad, all he knew about racing at the time was uh, what was you know, pretty much uh, publicized, such as, uh, you know, Car fatalities. Yeah, yeah. yeah, right. And then they were t- too often, you know, and too popular. And uh, so, basically, he thought there was something crazy. He, basically, he did not understand or care about the sport, but uh, we already had the burning passion, you know, that was inside of us. And, um, and we were going to do this regardless. So, the bottom line is uh, we did the whole first season without my dad knowing now my mother who was a kick in it i mean she was really <laughs> yep. she she was much different she was uh basically but she was caught in the middle so she didn't know directly but you know mothers they sense things oh, yeah. they knew something was going on so so she sort of stayed quiet behind but we were winning winning some races uh, actually my brother won the very first race and so did i that, that we competed in on a local level and um, and and so 
And my dad at work, you know, the boss go, hey, Gigi, man, you did a great job, you know. And all. So my dad had no idea of a language barrier, you know, that was yeah. our salvation. Thank God. And he, yeah, <laughs> thank God. So he thought that they were just uh, praising him for his work, and he go, yeah, 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 good, good. You know. So the bottom line is, uh, you know, we, we escaped all that uh, until the very last race of the season where it was an invitational. You had to be third in points within tracks of 150-mile radius to be invited at Hatfield, Pennsylvania for the last races. So we both actually uh, were oh, eligible for yeah. that. Mm -hmm. And uh, so I got a ride with somebody else, and Aldo drove our car, which was uh, – that was a modified race. Our car was a sportsman, so it was uh, not as powerful, but it was still a fast one. And he was uh, – during a qualifying heat, uh, he was trying to beat the – the track champion at, the, at that place, which was Freddie Adams, and and on a, and somehow he got into the guardrail and he had a you know a terrible uh, end over end accident, and uh, and he uh, they gave him his last rights no. that night, and uh, he had a skull fracture, the base of a skull fracture. He was in a coma for 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 weeks, and uh, but anyway, uh, and um, so I, obviously uh, I had to call my mom. My, I would think my mom. Mm -hmm. So I said, "Mom, only a race car driver could speak like that." So, yeah, he fractured his skull. He's in the coma. But anyway, let me get to the real part. Like another day at the track. Okay, I'm just yeah. telling you how he's my dad. Just, he's just telling how yeah. how, occupational hazard. I'm telling no, you how my no, dad skull found fracture out. in a coma. But but let me continue with the story. <laughs> okay, go on. No, no, I want to be brief because I can go on and on. Uh -huh. You know, but uh, I said my, my that's how my dad found out, and and uh, obviously felt vindicated. You know, mm -hmm. I figure, see, I told you, you know, they're going to bring you home with in a body bag and all that. But uh, uh, the bottom line is that uh, uh, a whole hell let loose when he found out that uh, even while Aldo was recovering, I was building a new racing. car. I was building a new car <laughs> for the following fall season. <laughs> <laughs> and when we started racing the following season, uh, it was uh, very, 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 uh, very so you're quiet your own at home. So. engineer, mechanic. And driver, well, uh, that means yes. I, I don't think that I well means yes. So actually, you're getting science education on the job. In that that was more yeah. like it, and uh, but uh, you know we we assemble four other buddies, and and there's always the geek in the crowd, right? One guy that actually steered us in the right direction is. His name was Charlie Mitch. He's no longer with us, uh, you know. But he sort of he knew what we needed to do, and uh, and we you know as driver I. You know, I, I learned how to weld and all that sort of thing, you know. But uh, as far as mechanics, uh, we just uh, improvised, you know, the best right. possible way. But somehow we did a pretty good job because uh, here's the, the idea. Um, we built something that was different from what they were running uh, at, at the local racetrack. Mm -hmm. and, and the idea was if you build something... It has to qualify within rules, you know, but uh, it said that uh, we have to do something like uh, NASCAR. NASCAR had the, 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 the time where the, um, the Hudson cars were very right. popular on the short tracks. So that, that's what we built. So when we showed up, we showed up with something very different. And, uh, and then we had, uh, oh, yeah, you know, in those days, you know, the race drivers didn't have proper, you know, driving suits or anything, you know. We showed up, we... Uh, we bought two uh, uh, driving suits from Italy, Sala Sport, 
you know, with all the zippers and everything. Italians. And we, yeah, we showed up. Got to do then, it in style. And then we, yeah, yeah. And, and also, we we, uh, we said that uh, we used to race in Italy in a Formula Junior, you know, which didn't exist. <laughs> you know, but, uh, and so to be accepted, you know, because they said, you know, <laughs> why should we let you race, you know, that sort of thing. Right. So we said, oh, here are the Italian kids and so forth. So we played the part, if you will. Right. And, um, and that's, that's how it all got started. <laughs> that's pretty great, though. It's just like, why should we let you race? You don't know these guys? They're the Formula Junior champions. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Then it must oh, be good. So sorry, we didn't know. <laughs> By the way, that one haunted us for a while. Because <laughs> <laughs> so let's, let's jump forward a little bit. You've you've got your you've got your smarts in engineering now. You, you you're learning how to handle a car. You end up moving into a bigger deal, and Holman Moody, which is NASCAR, that must have been a whole new ball game for you. Well, indeed. I mean, uh, at the top level of our sport, obviously we have several disciplines, and. Uh, uh, my objective uh, was always to be in single seaters, open wheel cars, right. which is, uh, you know, usually uh, to me that that's a thoroughbred of the racing cars. Right. But as you go on, uh, you know, by the time I, I, I pretty much was able to uh, to express my desire to do some NASCAR, something else, I was already established in you know in the circuit, you know, in, in the national. Uh, I was already national champion, you know, in 65, my very first year actually at the top level of IndyCars. And uh, I had a great relationship with uh, Ford. Uh, we were, you know, Ford engines and so forth, and I was winning some races. And then, and of course, Ford, you know, was very involved in NASCAR, you know, as one of the manufacturers, which they still are today. And um, so I, I expressed a desire to, uh, to do some NASCAR races, go to the actually to the race which is uh, the Daytona 500 uh -huh. and um and they accommodated me and they uh, put me with the top team with the the, the official team the home and the moody uh -huh. uh, which fielded uh, actually my teammate was what they called uh, it was freddie lorenzen he was called at the time uh, the golden boy of nascar you know so i was with you know with the right team uh, at the right time what I do suppose. you think he was learning from a point of view physics to be able to succeed in nascar maybe not well of course they're different i mean they're different shaped vehicles right yeah I mean, everything is different so did you feel that obviously they are different what does it feel like as a driver to drive such a different vehicle between nascar and indy yeah. well that's or the open wheel or open and, wheel and, 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 yeah, yeah that that actually that's the trick and that's the challenge you know because uh it's like uh, an animal trainer you know, you got a tiger, you got a, you know, something, a cheetah here. And they're both what they are. And they're both what they are. But, you know, there's some similarity how you approach it, but they're different, different characters. Mm -hmm. So a racing car is something like that. Each racing car has its own personality. And, um, and if you're curious, like I always was, you know, even early on in my career, uh, I was specializing. My specialty uh, was and still is, you know, open wheel, single seaters. Mm -hmm. But I love to see what was going on at the top level on the other side, you know, which is the stock cars. But here's the other thing that I, I think I realized early on, too, that uh, in order to be able to migrate to 
the other side. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did the other side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the other side. We were <laughs> he crossed over. Right. The other side. <laughs> yeah. uh, I am your father. You better, you better be looking for, you know, to be with the top team because, ah. you know, I don't you can be the best shoe in the world, the best driver in the world, unless you have a car that's capable with a team that's got a car that's obviously equipment that's capable of bringing results. You're not going to get results. You so know? what so little tricks did you learn in NASCAR? That were able enabled you to be so successful in other areas. Because I wouldn't expect that, yeah, necessarily. Well, that's a good question, actually, because uh, as I said, it's capable of a good question every now and again. <laughs> every <laughs> yeah. now and again, yeah, yeah. Well, actually, uh, what makes sense is the fact that, uh, as I said, each side has a different characteristic, yeah. but s- there are similarities as well. Mm. You know, so you always learn. I, I learned something in one area that applies mm-hmm. and it's oh you know and i always felt that i learned something you know to just uh, expand my knowledge you know as far as understanding the dynamics of the car such yeah. as whether it's aerodynamics or or mechanical on the mechanical side of the car so car carrying geek from way back well, he had to take him in the geek club. <laughs> if he's thinking about that, he's thinking about that and yeah. applying and right. and corresponding What's the same and what's different? What's, the difference is, you know, and, uh, geeks who are just like science for the sake of liking science, the worst that can happen to them is they might miss a fact. Um, <laughs> the difference from Mario is uh, if he... He could be jettisoned into right, Earth orbit. Exactly. He misses a bend, yeah. Yeah, yeah, miss he, a bend. Right. And so I think okay, his cost. love of science is a little more a little intense more, okay. and, and necessary. See, there's stories about drivers who can sit in a car Take it a lap around the track, and they'll come back and tell you exactly where is and isn't tire pressure. Something's missed at the back. There's something not quite. How soon? I'm guessing you all, you had it at quite an early age. How soon were you able to apply that to cars? Well, it's it's about experience, though. You know, it's, right. so you have to have. I mean, it doesn't just come out of the air. You know, you just have to have that practical experience to be able to identify what's going on, and then as you make the changes, ah, this works, this doesn't work, and so on and so forth. But it's, it's a it work. It one with the car. But it's a work. <laughs> yes, indeed. Very zen. But yeah. it's, it's, and it's a work in progress. Yeah. But, mm-hmm. you know, a race car, the other thing is an animal that has so many ad- thousand adjustments, if you will. And, and the closer, the, the more you understand about what really works, what dynamics, what suits your style even, uh, the better off you are. I always said that the, uh, it's the same thing as uh, uh, a patient going to a doctor. Uh-huh. You know, you go to a doctor and you say, hey, doc, I'm really sick, you know, and okay, what's wrong? I don't know, I just don't. So what's the doctor gonna take him forever to do tests or whatever? If you go in there and explain to a doctor, this, this, and that. You know what? There's something here, you know, in my head. Mm-hmm. Then they go right to the thing. So right. it's the same thing with the driver and the engineer uh, to have that relationship because you can't do it alone. You have to have a relationship with your engineer, the one that actually can fix the car. Yes. It can, and the more, the closest he understands your ex- the way you're expressing yourself, the better off you're going to be. You are the engineer's access to the performance of the car. Exactly. Right. exactly. And now I know so why my, my medical care is lousy. <laughs>
because I keep going to my mechanic and asking him what's wrong with me. <laughs> that sick. That yeah. It just gives you, just sends you for an oil change. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. On that note, let us take a break. Um, we'll be coming back with the fabulous Mario Andretti. Don't forget, this is racing legend. We've got an opportunity to talk to uh, a unique heritage. We're going to take that break. More from the driver of the century. Yes, he will be with us still when we get back. We're back. Star Talk Sports Edition. This one from a special part of Sport Abuse. Brought to you by my special co host from Playing with Science, Gary Wright, Chuck Knight. And, and look what you found walking around outside in the street. I know. <laughs> Aimlessly. <laughs> Aimlessly. <laughs> Aimlessly. <laughs> like we the guy snatched that... him from the, from the street. Yeah. Pulled him in. Yeah. Mario Andretti. Only in New York. <laughs> only, exactly. Only in New York. So before the break, we were speaking about- Driver of the century. Dri- Mario Driver of the century. I didn't know that was a thing. And now, of course, it's him. Who else would that be? <laughs> but we've only got so far. You've emerged out of dirt track racing into indie, into the NASCAR scene, you're beginning to establish yourself. But as you said already, this is the '60s and '70s. No, we're always we're still in the '60s. Still in the '60s. Oh yeah. And so, the open wheeled racing. You said your passion, and if you want to race open wheel, there's only one place to go. You come back to Europe. Not an easy place to come to because there's only so many rides. There's only so many teams. You find yourself at Lotus. Colin Chapman is the guy in charge. We've had world champions before you in the likes of Jim Clark. But at this time in 1968, there's a special thing happening at Lotus. Would you please explain to us what that exactly is? Well, here's uh, 1968 is when uh, uh, I go back. In 1965, when uh, Jim Clark won Indianapolis, uh-huh. um, I finished third, and I was uh, a rookie of the year, which is actually something that, uh, it's a title that you can only uh, achieve once, you yes. know, the first time, and, uh, but it's, it, it's, it's got some, uh, you know, some importance to it, you know. And yeah. any, Anyway, at, at, the, at the banquet, after everything, and we're saying our goodbyes, I said to Colin, I said, uh, Colin, uh, someday I would like to do Formula One. And Colin says, Mario, he says, whenever you think you're ready, you call me. Ooh, wow. And uh, that's when the call came in 1968, three years later. And uh, and he said, right. We all should have someone like that in our lives. Yeah. When you're ready, call me. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even just call me. Anybody. <laughs> I'll, take yeah, I'll take that. I'll yeah, just anybody. take that. I'll just somebody saying, hey, man, call me. But he, oh, took, he took the call. <laughs> <laughs> he accepted the call. Three years later, okay, 1968. Now, All can right. you imagine, actually, you know, as a kid, dreaming? Because uh, my ultimate dream was also, you know, to to devote part of my career to Formula. I, I had a great career going here in the United States, yeah. you know. But uh, get it made in the shade here. But but I, I, you know, Formula One was always in the back of my mind and all of that. So I says, at a certain time, uh, when I feel that I'm ready, uh, okay. And Colin was there, you know, and, uh, and it was amazing because, um, you know, obviously here again, one of the top teams, you know, you know, that you would have equipment. Uh, so they can slot you. And- 
Yeah, he, he said, that, I will. Why, why I will possible? Yeah. yeah, he said, I will enter the third car, which he, which he did, of course. Ooh. And, uh, you know, Graham Hill was uh, one of the drivers. Yep. At the Another time. world champion. Yeah. But anyway, uh, and uh, <clears throat> so my debut at the U.S. Grand Prix at Watkins Glen, I was on pole. Uh, and you took pole in your first pole race? Pole in my first race. Wow. So let me, I'm, I'm interested to know what made you know you were ready, because that is something that people can benefit from. You know, you, you never want to go too early. Chuck, that, that's actually another good question here, because uh, uh, the reason I, uh, I said I like to do it, and when he said when you're ready, because uh, in IndyCars at the time, the, the primary uh, action uh, – uh, was basically on oval tracks, mm -hmm. so there wasn't a lot of road racing, and um, so and little by little uh, in that series they started introducing some road races. But here again with the relationship I had with Ford, Ford was uh, embarking in the new Le Mans program. They 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 actually they're they're doing a film about that. It's 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 coming on, you know. I think right right now, if right. Ford Ford wants to beat Ferrari at Le Mans. And, Everybody uh, wants to beat Ferrari. Yes, indeed. And uh, and it was a gigantic program that uh, offered <clears throat> a lot of seat time, you mm. know. And I offered my service. I said, I want to be at every test. And we sh we did we did we should do some twenty four hour test, you know, like actually straight twenty four hours, you know, with the two drivers alternating yeah, back and the forth. The is a twenty four hour race. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. you know. So in, and that was golden for me because uh, and i befriended uh, especially you know bruce mclaren and i became really who, very who good friends. is part of mclaren race team M right McLaren now, racing is, yep. team of course and he was McLaren, very that, that expensive <laughs> mclaren car yeah there's like six of them in the world yeah. or something and yeah. a billionaire yeah. owns one yeah is that the one yeah okay uh, just checking just checking that's the heritage no, that's just, where just, they just, go back. just millionaire <laughs> just that's all that's all mary don't tell me you have one even know if Jay Leno has one of those. Does, does he? Yeah, I'm he pretty does. sure Jay Leno has one. Yeah, okay. If he doesn't, he knows where to get one. Yes, <laughs> I just drove a couple of them at the Autobahn in Chicago just last week. I drove a bunch of those, all those McLarens. So place. when anyway. we come back to Formula One, and because we probably touch on the yeah. endurance side of it, there's a thing that no one had really gotten to grips with that Lotus had in this 78-79 season called ground effect. Well, now that going to have a massive massive impact yes. on the championship yes indeed and actually uh all of this came about uh, just at the end of the 76 season uh, which uh, obviously uh, i was part of uh -huh. and uh the best part is also we won the last race in japan you know uh, that season which is nothing better than winning the last race of the season to, you know to give everybody vitality yeah. you know and just that and can't wait to see what we're going to do in the following year so uh, every year obviously there's a new car that's going to be born yes. you know from what you learn because you progress and uh, so we were all having a meeting Hethel and uh, everybody had some input and when it comes to the driver you know my input was you know as a driver, I said that uh, you're dreaming about aerodynamic downforce, which obviously plants the car to the road and, and increases cornering speeds. But there's a penalty. The penalty is drag, hmm. straight line. Uh -huh. So the more downforce you put on with the surface, uh, the surface wings, uh, 
the more you know the resistance you have against yep. the wind. So you go. So I says, I I'm dreaming of downforce without penalty. So here we go. How do you, how do you achieve that? And so you go underneath the car to create a low pressure. A low pressure like you speed up the air underneath the car, but uh -huh. but it has to be directed directed by body design, just like an airplane. An uh -huh. airplane is designed both top and bottom surface to fly. So you turn an airplane upside down because you want it to you want it to, to go push down. Around. Yeah, instead of lift. So, so uh, this was the concept that was was starting was born by the racing car. But the fact that uh, the air comes free underneath the car, there's no drag penalty. And so that's, that was a breakthrough like no other, you know, in, in our sport. Were Lotus the only team to have this? It, well, we were the first ones, yes. Right. And we didn't come out and all of a sudden we had all the answers. It was a little by little, just hint here, hint there. I was uh, just like uh, I was testing in Germany at the Hockenheim, and uh, it was one real at the end of both straight or a real long right hander. And all of a sudden, uh, I'm arriving in the middle of the corner and I'm s feeling the car suck down. Why? Because we needed to close the sides to the road so the air would not escape off the side. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we're just learning something. It was a little apron. On yeah, the like an right? apron. Yeah. yeah. So, we, you know, we're, we were learning things and then learning how to. You know, to uh, uh, to to change change the uh, the diffuser angles in the back, to change uh, the center of pressure, to give it balance. You you can't have all the all, all the front. pressure in the front or in right. the back. You you know, so there were a lot of you know things, but we were onto something, and uh, that's how the the ground effect started. You know, and um, I was already to add to this, but I have nothing to add because you said everything perfectly. So this is, I'm a scientist. <laughs> That's why we're looking to add that to the resume. <laughs> <laughs> Certified. <laughs> so just to be clear, um, when we see cars that have spoilers in the back, right. um, if you pitch the spoiler to be at a very high angle, right. that can put a lot of down pressure on the car, That's giving right. it stability. That's but right. just like you were saying, that impedes yeah, your forward motion. Right. Exactly. So exactly. you win in one place and lose in another. Exactly. And so it's a compromise. This is oh, a complete... Act of brilliance right. to say yeah, the airplanes get lift without disrupting their forward motion. Yeah. Let's turn that lift into a downforce. downforce that increases the friction between your cars and the tire, gives you more grip. What's, what you especially want. what yeah. you need, what right. you not only want, what you need right. yeah. on the turn. Every, and yeah. it, it serves at every point in your in your in your race. It's amazing the cornering speeds that the cars are capable of today. And as a matter of fact, uh, a lot of the design is restricted. To the point that you could make it so the car will just be right, you know, just just like on on a track. You know what I mean, without any slippage or anything else. So, uh, you, but they, they but they restrict it. It's a, it's a, by rule. Why? By rule. Why not go all out? Because it's Formula One and it's rules for rules. No, <laughs> no, no. I mean, no. You have to you have to do that because number one, I think a lot of it has to be. Uh, the onus is on the driver Driving. also to yeah. do, you know, to understand if the car moves around. The other thing is, if the economy speed is such, uh, and if uh, you have a suspension brake or something else, you're going to have a, 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 well, a fatality immediately. Yeah. Okay. You know, wow. so so there's, you know, there's a balance to everything, you know. So that's why you have, and the rules are actually uh, very well studied. 
and there's no magic wand, you know, to have it, everything perfect. But, uh, uh, you know, as much as we know today, you're still chipping on it here and there and try to, uh, to comp find compromises of sort, you know. You still want to maintain it. Just, just one thing. Yeah, go ahead, sir. A page that you haven't, that you're done with. All right. This one here? Yeah, yeah, go You're for done it. with that one? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Let me just show you something here. I'm take that. With pleasure. For everyone okay. listening, Neil has uh, just ripped a, just just, a strip of paper. He's just ripped everything oh, I up. I forgot. Many will hear us only on, on, audio. on audio. Yeah, I just ripped so, a sheet of paper, and now I'm holding the paper up from one edge, yes. and it's drooping over it's the drooping side of the other side. So I'm going to blow over the top of it. Okay. And I'm going to have fast-moving air above. Over the top. And you would think it would keep the paper pressed down. Right. But uh -huh. in fact... It lifts the paper so up. It lifts the paper up. To right. the point where it's almost... So that if I invert that... Right. And put it down, it'll put Push pressure. The pr it, right. It, it, it adds to the pressure. So this is just a little um, strip yeah, of paper way to demonstrate a Bernoulli principle. I just learned something. You didn't know about that? I just learned something. <laughs> Good. They could do this with your grandkids. And now stuff. you're this an even <laughs> better scientist. Kids, this is what I've been doing my whole life. <laughs> they just blow across the top of the page and it lifts itself up. That up. has lower pressure, higher pressure right. on the other side. There you go. That's it. You there you go. It. Yeah. So when that's, you're racing. That's the point. That's that's exactly it. I wish I would have known that. Well, this is the value of a, sort of the cross-pollination yeah. of, of science, of engineering, of fields. It, because you're, it's all aerodynamics, fluid dynamics, it's all the same thing. Exactly, yeah. it is. So yeah. your yeah. racing style obviously suited this ground effect development because this is the season you go on to win the Formula One World Championship. Was it a case But well, wait a minute, was it you that won it or was it the ground effect? Both. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which you know, well, that we, brings me to another what, question. Here's what, another what, question. What? Here's another question. What is the most important element for a win? Is it the machine? Is it the maintenance, meaning the team? Or is it the driver? Well, I think uh, the percentage varies okay. depending on the track, uh, where the demands are. Uh, but number one, I mean, it's team effort, team, team with a capital T, number one. Okay. Uh, number two is um, obviously the preparation because you have to finish the race to be able to win it. Okay. And, mm -hmm. and then number three is uh, the nature of the track. Uh, if the track, uh, the, the layout, the course uh, demands more of the car, the car, in other words, the car contributes 70% uh, and the driver contributes 30% right. as far as the performance. That means that there's a lot of high speed. The car better be, be, be quick, give you all the legs that you need, you know, to be competitive. And then you get the on the- The car's just going all out. Yeah, you, say you, yeah, you get to a course where you have a lot of straightaways and, and there are, say go to Monza, for instance, mm -hmm. and then go to yeah. Monte Carlo. Yeah. Monte Carlo, it's 80% driver, 20% car. Right. Monza, it's 70% car, 30% driver. Wow. And gotcha. those and those percentages vary everywhere you go, every track. But, you know, bottom line is, uh, will it, at the end of the season, will it be 50-50 perhaps? You know, but uh, so, uh, you know, everybody has to contribute. But I would say um, the best driver in the world cannot win unless the car is capable. Wow. You know, so it's... Uh, and it's these, and these developments, I loved your, met, your metaphor where you said each year a new car is born yes. a new kind of uh, yes. advance 
And I don't think most of us are aware that these advances, many of them trickle down into just regular old cars that make us safer or faster or more aerodynamic. Mm -hmm. So it's not just crazy people racing fast. It's a frontier of experimental research. No question. This is why you have uh, the major manufacturers involved in the sport uh, because uh, there's a it sense. Them. They're r and It does. You know oh. why? Because there's a sense of urgency in the sport when you have direct competition, like right now. Mm-hmm. Things have to happen today. Well, GM beat not, me today. I better not up a, my game tomorrow. Not, not okay, manana, okay, we'll mm. get things done, okay. Mm-hmm. You know, push the can on the road and all that. We'll be fine. You no, know, no, you're not fine. You it's lose now. the race. It's now, you know. So, and, and actually many of the manufacturers, they bring in uh, engineers that are proper, you know, production engineers, sometimes even too frequent some of the, you know, be some of the races, see how er, the urgency factor plays. Yeah. You know, and uh, so uh, I think the sport, when you look at uh, uh, the developments uh, over the years, uh, the safety aspect of it, uh, how so many things, you know, are just drawn from that. I mean, uh, uh, features such as uh, the disc brakes. Were f- disc brakes were first, you know, actually employed in a, in a racing car. They were born there. Yeah. You know, so, so many other things. Disco brakes. <laughs> yeah. Chuck, no maybe, one was confusing disco, them with the disco brakes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. maybe, maybe they have some disco brakes. I have to look at that. You gotta look up the disco brakes. I have to look brakes. underneath. <laughs> All right, while you two hit the dance floor, we'll hit a break. Uh, We're going to have more. And and if you didn't realize that what you're driving today and for maybe the last 20, 30 years owes a lot of its origins to great racers like Mario Andretti. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm putting all the burden on you. Uh, We're going to take that break when we come back. More from the great man and, of course, Neil and Chuck and myself. So stick around. back star talk sports edition we're talking about race car driving sportiverse with my guest co-host gary yeah. chuck barber <laughs> <laughs> that's the jetsons come on now that's the <laughs> close enough ish uh, I've, I've got you on loan temporarily from playing with science yes, thanks sir. for joining star talk flagship and of course we have one of the greatest of all time, if not the greatest driver of all time, Mario Andretti. Racing royalty. Absolutely. We've been... Viceroy of Velocity. <sighs> I have to ask him. Yes. When did you first learn? Because I was embarrassingly old when I first learned that race car spells race car but in both directions. Oh, I just learned something. Today. No. <laughs> Are you serious? I didn't know that. Race spelled... car is a palindrome? Yes, it is. That? Oh, yes. Race car, race car. Amy, why didn't you tell me? that. Nobody, nobody here knew that? <laughs> I didn't know that. I was like 80 years old before I found that out. You know what? You know, you never, you got to come never more often. too old to learn. You got to come, you got to come more often. I got to come we more often. We can teach each other. So the great thing is you return to the USA. You are racing for Newman Hass. And the Newman part of that is the Oscar winning actor, Paul Newman. Paul Newman. Now that for me isn't God, the big deal. Sauce. Isn't that great? I just had his lemonade the other Did day. Really? Very good. We're Very good back lemonade. to food. It takes you a millisecond to get onto the subject of food. Sorry, but he also yeah. liked car racing. He did. Yes, he did. he did. But your son, Michael, joined you as a teammate. And this is the first time in history there's a father and son partnership in IndyCar racing. 
just for the for the twenty four hour Le Mans because you switch off drivers. Is that right? No, no, no. no. This, this, this is just, just an engine. Team. Just team. Yeah. 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 Two cars. Two cars. Two cars. Team. Two so cars. Team. not everyone likes their son to follow in their footsteps, but mm. you obviously didn't have a problem. Well, no, because he was racing regardless you right. know, with another team. And <laughs> sounds, like somewhere, sounds like someone else we know. <laughs> yeah, yes, indeed. In fact, uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it was, uh, to, to me, it was obviously uh, the sense of pride uh, to have uh, Michael to be so competitive. Uh, we've had uh, uh, also the other son, Jeff, you know, yep. that uh, was also a racing driver, but he, you know, he was not as fortunate as we were. You know, he had a, a terrible accident in Indianapolis in 92, and, and so that pretty much uh, ended his career. But um, with Michael, you know, to be for him to become uh, my teammate, it was he was at the very peak of his mm -hmm. career, of course. Uh, and, um, and we had some really great success as teammates because uh, I'll give you the statistics. Um, we were on podium, top three, mm -hmm. as, long, you know, as long as he was racing and it, 15 times. The two of you in the top level, wow. and we were we started and you know we started uh, on the front row, ten times together, wow. and we finished first and second five times. Wow! So did son and, let father win? Uh, you, you know what? Uh, <laughs> once. <laughs> no, <laughs> no he did he no he, he didn't let me win but uh he should have won and uh, he had a fuel pickup problem and this was in portland 1986 and uh and actually i um uh i nipped him at the at, right at the start finish line but like two inches like oh, yeah seven oh. one hundredths of a second but that was a great drive home <laughs> it was very quiet. It was, but but, but yeah. I'll tell you what. You can't have road wait, rage wait, against wait, your wait, dad. Wait, it was Father's Day. It was Father's Day. And, and Michael, I mean, he was not happy on the podium. And then somebody said, Michael, lighten up. He said, it's Father's Day. Okay. Happy Father's Day, Happy Father's Day, All right, let's fast forward. Not, not, to not to dismiss what you achieved because Michael actually went to Formula One as well, didn't he? Yes. He did. But you now have a two-seated racing car? Well, uh, yeah. Right I, now in the I, present I, day? I, I I drive for a team that actually fields these, uh, these cars, which uh, uh, give rides to fans uh, and, and journalists and, uh, you know, just uh, uh, celebrities, if you will. Oh, so this uh, is just one car? It's not like a circuit where there's two... One car with two seats, right? But I'm yeah, saying, is but that it's a, a racing circuit, car. A racing car of no, no, no. It's uh, we give you give rides. You know, at, uh, on a weekend when there is a activity, you know, you got to uh -huh. race. Oh, like okay. uh, uh, this past weekend, I was at Elka Lake, Wisconsin, called Road America, fabulous four mile road course, and uh, so I give rides there. You know, I usually like I said, a lot of press. They love to have. But uh, you know, the, 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 what's cool about this is really I don't know a better way to showcase our sport because uh, it's a very non-participant sport, right? If you yeah. will, it's not that you can pick up a tennis racket and yeah, then good point. You you can't, know, I can't do it in my backyard. Right. It, it's, in the playground, you really can only is, do it on Super know, Mario. Right? But <laughs> well, not Super Mario Kart. Super Mario Kart. Yeah. Super Mario Kart. And it's hard to explain. That's the same thing, isn't it's it? Hard to, it's the same thing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we 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 have this racing car with an extra seat and Donkey Kong so somehow you, fits in the car. So like if you else. show up to the next race, I'll give you a ride. Oh, I, that? And, okay, and if so I ever have a space capsule that any, I take any a long of time, you, any of I'll you. give you a seat in the space capsule. Okay. 
What speed, well, Mario? What speeds are we talking about going here? Well, it depends on the track. I mean, it's uh, any road course uh, like where I was this past weekend. You know, about maybe 175, 180 on a straightaway. But uh, at India, I could give laps like lap times of uh, over 200. Oh. You know. <laughs> So let me, let me, I can interject here because we're, I don't know how much more time we have, but I have to ask cars today are really different from yesterday. I mean, from decades ago, yeah. right? In terms of, of technology, in terms of the engineering, everything is there, is there a point where you said, you know, this, I, I we're losing the driver here because the technology has taken everything over. Is there, is there, is there an old fogey moment? <laughs> <laughs> Where you say, you know, in the old day, in my day, it was all about what we could bring to the car. Now it's what the car is bringing to me. Well, yeah, it's, a, it's another darn good question, actually, because uh, the technology, the way, as much as we know, you could have a car that would be so easy, so much easier to drive. And many of the cynics today, you know, will say, oh, yeah, these boys, you know, man, you know, uh, the drivers of yesteryear, those were the champions. Yeah, that's what I'm those were, those were the gladiators. That's like, get off my lawn you know, and all that. argument. Well, the only thing is that I think the drivers of yesteryear, uh, they didn't have the safety aspect, the mm -hmm. safety features that the drivers are enjoying today. That's one thing for sure. Uh, but as far as the, what's the onus on the driver, that's why you have rules in place. Because uh, you have you drive your car, you know, your present pleasure car. You have all this you know, traction control. You have all the power steering. You have all mm -hmm. this thing. What well, in the race car that you're not ha you don't have all those beauties. You know, you don't have a lot of that assist. So you still the, that's what they wanted. You know, the rules are to keep it still a sport. Make the driver, um, yes. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, Drive. it runs away with itself, and yeah, you're, you're exactly. just a, yeah, you, an occupant. You in a could seat. have it, yeah. You know, just another quick example is that uh, you know, the, to balance the car, you have wings that uh, yes. you can change. Uh, yeah, they can. You can alternate then, the time. And, yeah. then, and, and they have it, so you know the mechanics have to do it, like during a pit stop. Mm -hmm. And then we got, I get uh, emails, I get something from engineers, and this, this, this to send you a. a a design, a schema that, uh, oh, you could do it with a button inside. Of course you could, but you're not allowed. You know what I mean? Mm, There's so many yeah. things that uh, are have to, to be done manually to keep it a sport, keep it real. So, again, it's still, you know, it's still a sport, you know. and Because uh, okay. um, if, it, if it runs away with itself, then you just have AI competing against AI. Right, exactly. A AI drivers, you right? You sit in the car and listen to the radio. <laughs> Which brings me to this thought. <laughs> What is your opinion on driverless cars, and would you ever get in I one? knew you were going to bring that up. The driver of the century, <laughs> driver driverless of the century. cars. How do you feel about driverless what, cars? What kind of stupid question is that? What's, that, no big gray, what's that big gray thing in the corner? No, It's you know, an elephant, no. right? <laughs> so it has it's to be addressed. The elephant is here, yeah, okay. of course. Elephant yeah. in the room. But okay. don't talk to me about it. <laughs> no, no I mean, it, it's, it's, it's out there, you know, yeah. of course. And can you imagine that's probably the end of our sport as we know it? No, no, I, no, no. I don't agree. I Let think me tell it's actually going to increase the popularity of your sport because people will be so curious about what it is to drive a car mm. that people who actually drive and drive on the level that you drive will be like gods among us. My kids He's have anyway. no interest in ever driving cars. Right. They're 18 and 22. They can't wait for self-driving cars. And they don't yeah. want to drive a car. They, it is not in their, they don't care. But they grew up in New York. 
That's true. That's a different That's story. True. But here's my thing. Here's my th here's here's where I agree with you, sort of. Okay. Nineteen oh five to nineteen twenty. Okay. The civilized world transitioned from horses to cars very quickly. Quicker than anyone would have. We had horses for thousands of years. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And by 1920, you couldn't give away a horse. Because okay. We still love horses. Hang on, but that's my point. So as cars replaced horses on the road, right. the people who still loved horses would go to horse stables right. to still ride their horses right. and go over the jumps. And so it became a place uh, where you would take your hobby. So mm -hmm. I'm suggesting that in the future that Chuck is commenting on, the roads will just be driverless cars, but there'll be these tracks that you go to. Car you park your car, you park your race car at that track, and it lives there. Right. And then you take a self-driving car to, to your race place car. So you can drive. Right. <laughs> and so then you can drive 200 miles an hour. And then that's, you, your, out, that's you, your Saturday afternoon outing. You know what? what? Those country clubs of driving there you go. already exist. Oh, really? They, I wouldn't I would know I'm just, black. <laughs> <laughs> Not uh, all country. <laughs> <laughs> and you're and you're more than welcome there, by the way, Chuck. More than welcome. Well, thank you, thank you, Mark. Indeed, it's not all country clubs. Oh, okay. all right. No, they're 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 everywhere, everywhere. Yeah. Actually, uh, more more popular. Like a car it's, club. It's a it's uh, yeah. It's it's actually a facility where you have the beautiful layout of racetrack. And uh, with all the amenities and uh, the safety features and all of that, and and it's organized. You know, you have uh, you know the corner workers, and all the things there at the professional racetracks. But you can go there. You have uh, you can become a member. You have uh, a Lamborghini. You have a Ferrari. You have you know. Oh, because, I, so you can bring your own personal. Bring your own personal yeah. car and, and drive it on a and, in a professional track setting. Exactly. Awesome. Exactly. I was just there. Uh, now, last how do they feel about me bringing my Toyota Highlander? <laughs> you can bring anything you like. Actually, actually, you can bring a, a Yugo if you like. You know any Yugos here? No, we used to have Yugos. Oh, you used to have Yugos. They do yeah. put you on the Yugo track. That's a different track. Oh, right. Yeah. It's a slower track. It's a slower track. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. It's no. no, it's a communist track. <laughs> The wall at the end. Awesome. <laughs> All right, let's let's look at what you've done after well, wait, racing. Well, I just want to you know, Manhattan has a, <laughs> a classic car club. So you don't, yeah. there's not a racetrack, but you can go rent like a, a we Lamborghini. We were there last week. Oh, you were there, yeah. yeah. So it's just a rented for the right. weekend. It's not for your date. On, on West Side Highway? Yeah, right on West Side Highway. Yeah, yeah. I've been there. And yeah, you look yeah. Into, I just looked in the window. And, and I drove a Lamborghini right into, right in. Where all the everything was, yeah, happening. where's there? It's very where cool. They, uh, it's yeah, very everybody cool. was having some drinks at the tables and everything else. I drove right it's a in. tremendous waste of horsepower <laughs> driving it in Manhattan, right. but nonetheless, it looks yeah, good. It, However, it I gotta yeah. tell you this I would certainly think that I drank too much if I'm sitting having a drink and I see Mario Andretti <laughs> fly in. <laughs> like, no, no, oh, I'm good. Nah. Yeah. <laughs> right, we gotta stop. We've had enough. Put down We've a drink. To okay, so what in relation to wine and cars, Mario. There is a winery in Napa, Andretti Winery, that you are vice chairman of. How on earth do you get involved in the wine business? And how on earth do I get involved with you getting involved? <laughs> with the wine in the wine business. business. <laughs> well, if you have a weak moment in your life, talk to me. <laughs> because that's, that's how I got involved during a weak moment in my life. Okay. And that's why I brought in a, a chairman because I didn't want to be the chairman. I didn't want to run. I just wanted to drink the stuff. Oh, right. There and, you uh, go. But, uh, yeah, we, Is we're, good? Very, we're very proud. Indeed, actually, we were just, 
Oh, we have several varieties. Mm -hmm. several all, the varieties. all the major varieties. Mm -hmm. you know, red, yeah. white, and rosé. Both kinds, yeah, yeah. red yeah. and white. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we do. And uh, we have, yeah, the usual varieties. We have Italian varieties uh -huh. and so on and so forth. Right. But, uh, and, 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 and just uh, as recent as what, last week, uh, this week we were actually considered that one of the top, top five wineries in Upper Valley. Really? Which is well, very well proud. done, you. I'm going to go look, look this yeah. up again, man. It's really, I'm actually, I'm again. so proud. Of, Your you know, phone might ring actually, shortly. It's a nice, it's, it's a quaint, <laughs> you think it's a quaint, it's a modest little winery, you know, but it's very quaint and uh, and it's very relaxing. You can, uh, the, you don't need an appointment. You arrive there at the tasting room and so on. It's called a boutique winery. Have, boutique winery. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I'm very proud of that, Very actually. good. Very cool, We have a great winemaker and our wines have uh, meddled, and uh, I'm, uh, again, I'm very proud. Of it. Uh, That's fantastic. It's, it's, it's very important, actually. Are we surprised? Neil, Neil's going to have to buy a case so that we can check it out. <laughs> <laughs> Are we surprised that Mario, former world champion in the NASCAR, his wines meddled? I heard that. Uh, that well, yeah, are, hear we, that. are we surprised? I did hear that. I did. Yeah, I did. We're cool. well, look, that's I, it. We are out of time. We so are what up. Did there. We've well, reached wait. the checkered flag. I have to ask one last question. Okay. Mm -hmm. It is rumored, I want to confirm it since you're sitting next to me, that you once said, if you are in control of your car, you're not in the race. If everything seems under control, you're just not going fast enough. Wow. That There is no greater wisdom no, there is in life. Right. Than that. Yes. Take that to the bank. Our version of that in science is the day you stop making errors is the day you are no longer on the frontier of discovery. Mm -hmm. That's our version of that mm -hmm. quote. Sense. Mario, fist bump on <laughs> Man. Let the record show I just fist bumped Mario Andretti. Right, which which counts as a car crash. <laughs> <laughs> a nice one. A little, we got we got to bring this to close. We got to close. Do it. All right. M Mario, thank you. You've been a Charming, wonderful host. My pleasure. And we, like, we, we should do this every week. <laughs> <laughs> we should. Uh, I'll be here. I'll be here. Uh, Chuck and Gary, thanks for uh, on, coming on loan from Playing With Science. You're That's welcome. We've had the honor of it, being with Mario and it, your good to self. Star, star Talk's flagship. And I've been your host, Neil deGrasse Tyson, your personal astrophysicist. And as always, I bid you to keep looking up. <laughs>